Hey, it's Sean Russell. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. And you're listening to the SoFlow Vegans podcast. Yay. On this podcast, we have Rachel Black, who is who is the senior national volunteer coordinator for the Humane League. We've spoken with her in the past, done the work with the Humane League, so we're excited to have them on this podcast. They'll be talking about some of their campaigns, what they do as an organization, their mission, a lot of good stuff. So definitely check that out. We also have news, a huge news section. You see, it's so huge that I can't even get it out. A huge news section. And whenever we have a huge news section, that means big things, big things are happening in the vegan verse. Yes, I called it the vegan verse. And then we have news around South Florida, some big events that are going to be happening, partnerships. I'm, I'm, it may not sound like it, but I'm super excited with where we're going as a community and the cool things that are happening with SoFlo Vegans. So thank you for listening. And we're going to jump right into our interview with Rachel Black. And then afterwards, we will have the news. Hi, this is Rachel Black with the Humane League, and you're tuned in to SoFlo Vegans. So right now we have Rachel Black from the Humane League. Tell everybody, what is your official title and what do you do with the Humane League? Sure. So my official title is the National Volunteer Coordinator for the U.S. And what that means is I um, help to support um, and connect volunteers all over the country who are not near one of our regional grassroots offices um, and try to empower volunteers, no matter where you live, to get involved in the Humane League's campaigns. All right. And how long have you been involved with the Humane League? I started out as a volunteer when I was in college. So um, since 2014, um, I was a volunteer then. And um, I've been working for the Humane League for just almost three years. And what got you involved with them in the first place? Like what made you say, okay, I want to you know, volunteer for this organization? Uh, my story is similar to many people who are now vegan, but I started learning about factory farming from a documentary called Food Inc. And um, after seeing that, I started doing my own research. And the more I learned, the more I just couldn't stand by. And I felt like the itch to do something to change um, this horrible, the horrible conditions for farm animals. Um, so I did some research, found out that the Humane League had a location in Philly, which is where I lived at the time, and just started volunteering right off the bat. So, so we know a little bit about you and your, your relationship with the Humane League. So tell us about the Humane League itself. What is the mission of the Humane League? Sure thing. So the mission of the Humane League is to reduce as much animal suffering as we can. Um, we're very utilitarian, and that means that we try to make our efforts go as far as we can, um, be as efficient as possible in all of our tactics, and that means inspiring change at all levels, meaning at the grassroots level, with individuals, um, with institutions like schools um, and hospitals, you name it, but also with corporations. So the food industry leaders like big companies, we try to, um, we also work on corporate campaigns to change um, the practices in our food system. So we try a multifaceted approach to eliminate as much suffering as we can. 
And we work specifically with uh, farm animal suffering because they are by far the largest group of animals that are exploited in this world, in our, in, our, in our world at this time. And I've been following a lot of the campaigns that you've been doing over the last couple of, well, for me, I've been following you a couple of months, but I know you guys have been doing it much longer than that. Can you give us an example of some of the successes that you've had um, through this campaigning? Recently, we have had a lot of successes with cage-free efforts, so trying to get the largest companies in the U.S. to commit to a timeline to eliminate all cages, meaning like battery cages or any cages for chickens that are egg-laying. Um, we've been successful with that effort with Walmart, um, Starbucks, Costco, and other food services, uh, food service companies like Aramark, Sodexo. So um, now that we've tackled that, uh, which we feel is going to continue with companies we haven't campaigned against because we've gotten those big leaders in the US, we've moved on to broiler uh, welfare. So meaning chickens raised for meat. Um, and we've recently had success um, with some big companies like Burger King, um, and Panera Bread, so big companies that affect a lot of chickens have committed to um, broiler welfare standards uh, through our campaigns. And right now we are planning a success against McDonald's, which is going to, is kind of the kingpin right now. So if there's, there are some things that people could do, what would be that short list of things that listening to this conversation, they'll walk out and saying, all right, I, that was my question. What can I do to help you guys? The easiest thing to remember is to help with our current campaign. The way we win our campaigns is largely through volunteer efforts. So just simply visit imnotlovinit.com and you will see a very clear list of actions you can take right there on the website and links to lead you to more in-depth actions as well. What would you like people to know about activism in general? You know what misconceptions um, that are out there that you might be able to dispel and maybe some helpful advice and tips that you could have so people don't experience burnout? I know that was a lot I just threw at you, but. <laughs> no, that's a great question. Um, and something I love to talk about because I've been a volunteer and now I um, help support volunteers. So I know what it's like in both positions. Um, I think the best thing that I'd like to convey is that you can be a ha happy activist even though we're dealing with one of the most unhappy and horrifying phenomenons that's facing our world, which is factory farming, doesn't mean you have to be um, upset all the time or angry or frustrated. Those feelings are normal, but I think it's really important to maintain a balance of positivity um, because that'll, that'll help you continue to be an activist for life. So that means taking time off and realizing that this is an urgent issue, but finding the way of activism that works best for you and with your personality type and interests. So if you don't like leafleting, you know, try it once, but then if it's not for you, don't keep doing it. Don't force yourself to do something that makes you miserable. There's so many different forms of activism that you can get involved in. Um, and it's just about finding your niche and finding what you can be best at for animals. And that's what's really gonna help you stay active long-term. When people think activism, and especially in the vegan community, they have a certain picture, and usually it's a negative picture. Well, how do you, and how does that play a role in enrolling people to be a part of the movement? You know, is it usually, does that even come up? Are usually people you're enrolling 
don't even that doesn't even play any role and an impact on them? Well, um, I'll answer the que your question as best as I as best as I can. I might be off topic, but um, I think that. I think that uh, inclusivity is one of the best things to make activism seem more positive. So yes, we are activists, but we're also a unified community of people who care about the same thing and just want to make a change. So um, I guess at the Humane League, we try to be inclusive, meaning um, we don't talk badly about certain forms of activism over others. I think that, um, there's there's something for everyone and we try to make it fun. So um, getting involved in activism doesn't have to be a negative experience. It should be a positive one for sure. Meaning like if this is your first time coming out to um, go to a protest, we try to do something fun like going out to eat afterwards or you know making sure that everyone feels comfortable and included and um, keeping it upbeat. We don't, we don't engage in confrontations or yelling with anybody. Um, and we try to make it as like entry level as possible. So if you've never done any activism, you can come to this protest and it's not gonna be scary or um, uncomfortable. You're gonna be surrounded by people who are there, happy to be there and making uh, a good impact for animals in a way that we've thought about in terms of strategy. So like what you're doing is part of a bigger picture and it's connected to the whole country's campaign. Okay, no, that, that was perfect. <laughs> I'm glad you made sense out of my question as I was listening back to it. <laughs> so any closing remarks, anything that we didn't touch on that you do wanna bring up in regards to the Humane League? And yeah, I, I just want to let everyone know that um, we pride ourselves in being really flexible flexible and open to anybody who wants to get involved volunteering, even if you have a full-time job, you're a student, you're a mom or whatever, um, whatever time you can give to us is and give to animals is so appreciated. And we're here to work, myself and my uh, colleague, Laurie Elsrode are both here to work with you um, to figure out the best mode of volunteering. And it's a great place to start, especially if you wanna pursue a career in animal activism. Um, we're here to give you individual one-on-one individual -on -one time, get you involved, and um, definitely we're always hoping that you'll reach out to us. So, And I appreciate you being on our podcast and taking your time to speak with our audience. South Florida, we really appreciate your presence here, and we look forward to working together to you know, collectively help all living beings. <laughs> for sure and i am just so impressed with the south florida community every time there's there's so many people who are involved and pa so passionate about this and it's very inspiring to me so thank you for giving me a platform to talk about the humane league and talk about activism there i really appreciate it and once again we want to thank rachel black for jumping on the podcast had a great time speaking with her glad we can put that information out and we look forward to speaking with more organizations. So if you're listening to this, go ahead and reach out. My email is srussell, that's two L's, at SoFloVegans, with an S, dot com. And it'll be in our show notes. So go to SoFloVegans.com. Check the website out, SoFloVegans.com slash podcast. But now, and we're at news. So the FDA deems Impossible Burgers safe. 
for consumption. I'm so glad that is a thing because I've been eating them and I'm it's always good to know that the food you're eating is safe for consumption. So what <laughs> what's really behind this is that they were uh, they've applied for the or they applied for the generally regarded as safe seal from the Food and Drug Administration and um, they were able to get it. So um, there's a lot of things that sound funny to me about <laughs> this announcement, but um, it's good stuff, I, I guess, the way you look at it. There's two schools of thought on this, and as we go more into this news item, um, you'll see why some people have mixed feelings about the Impossible Burger. Some feel that it's great, others feel that... Um, well, let me give you the news, and then you'll make up your own decision. So in 2015, the FDA expressed that the Impossible, that Impossible Foods, which is the company behind the Impossible Burger, needed to provide further information regarding a novelty um, ingredient, which is hem. And I could be saying it wrong, incorrectly. But um, so around, it's H-E-M-E, whatever, heme, hem. And um, so they had to... They didn't have to, actually. So this is where the controversy comes in. So they did testing on rats for, in order to get this approval. But it wasn't required. But usually this is how you get the approval. So there is a lot of um, back and forth between the community, whether or not that, you know, whether we should support a company that's doing testing on animals. So this was addressed in August of 2017 by a statement from Impossible Foods founder, Patrick O'Brien, who is a biomedical researcher and vegan of 14 years. Um, I want to make that known. And um, pretty much they expressed that choosing the option that advocates the greater good is more important than ideological purity. And they also stated avoiding the dilemma was not an option and they hope they will never have to face such a choice again. So they didn't make the choice lightly. You know, there's definitely some thought put in, put in behind it. So they're looking at the greater good versus, um, you know, the one-time testing in order to get the, the go-ahead to put it into mass market. And since launching in 2016, the Impossible Burger has expanded to the menus of nearly um, 2,500 points of distribution, including 140 locations of White Castle, in-flight on airline Air New Zealand, Applebee's, the Cheesecake Factory, 37 Live Nation amphitheaters, even locally, Green Bar and Kitchen, Vegan Fine Foods. There's a lot of restaurants that now carry the, the Impossible Burger, and it's, it's growing by the week. So what this is doing is it's exposing people to plant-based options and making them curious, almost planting a seed into what else is out there. So I'm interested in hearing your thoughts. What are your, how do you feel about the Impossible Burger? Is it something that you support, whether or not you eat it? Um, let me know. Put it in the comment section on our website, and uh, we hope to get a nice discussion going. So, also, we have, this is a lot of news regarding the boom of the alternative meats in the country. Actually, the globe. Um, so, what, uh, kind of related to that, we have nutritional yeast. If you cook um, plant vegan food, um, nutritional yeast is an amazing addition 
for me, it's like, it has a smell of cheese, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Anyways, um, a new report compiled by the market research firm Fact.MR reports that 17% of the U.S. population between the ages of, of 15 to 70 are currently consuming plant-based products, such as nutritional yeast. Now, this, this is it's actually, as I'm reading this, this might be very similar to a report that we talked about in our last episode. So... Um, you know, we're just throwing nutritional yeast in there as well, since it falls into that category, but it's still good as a reminder to see where things are going. And um, another item <laughs> kind of scared me a little bit, having music playing in the background. Um, another item that's out there is 338 dairy farms have been shuttered in Wisconsin this year. Now, I know what you're saying. 338 Dairy farms were shuttered in Wisconsin. How many are left open? And how many did they have last year? <laughs> That's a crazy number. <laughs> so media outlet Dairy Herd reports that this week um, that 338 dairy farms in Wisconsin have closed, have ceased operations. And that's just this year so far. Companies such as Aria Foods, Dean Foods, Marcus Dairy are just a few companies that entered their contracts with some of these dairy farms, not just in Wisconsin, but other places across the country. Dean Foods has actually pivoted towards plant-based brands, becoming a majority stakeholder in flax milk-based company Good Karma Foods. So there's investments happening in the alternative milk sector, just like We've been seeing in the cheese and the meat um, sector, people are seeing this trend. Um, a report released this month by animal feed supplier Cargill revealed that global milk consumption has been in a steady decline for more than one decade, plummeting, a plummeting by 22% between 2006-2016. So this also counteracts um, some of the feedback that this is also um, a side effect from Walmart consolidating dairy process, processing operations. So, yes, I'm sure that has a major role to play, but we can't also um, ignore the fact that global consumption is going down as well. And speaking of consumption going down, I'm the horrible at segues. Actually, that was a good segue. I'll give myself credit for that. 25 point. 2.5 billion pounds of U.S. meat has reached a stockpile high, near, actually near record highs. So cold storage meat warehouses are nearly full due to a decline in consumer demand for chicken, pork, and beef. And this is according to new figures released by the United States Department of Agriculture. Good old USDA. Ding! Well, I don't know if I say good old because they... Um, yeah, well, anyways, <laughs> while tariffs imposed by China and Mexico have dampened the ability of the U.S. to export, which could play a role in the stockpile, we still can't, you know, look at or dismiss the fact that overall consumption has gone down, although the USDA does estimate that the industry will produce, wait for it, 102.7 billion pounds of meat this year. So just think about the faces behind that and what we can do. Hey, let's keep it going. Now, um, if you didn't have an appetite after all that, you definitely won't have an appetite with the first part of this news. Dog meat serving restaurant in Cambodia. 
Now, here comes the good part. There's a good part? It's now fully vegan. I'm sure they scrubbed it down and there's no more uh, remnants of dog meat there. But this is, this is good news. This shows what happens when, when people take action and come up with, and look at the possibilities, really. No way, other way to ex- explain this. So Sabay Vigalicious in Cambodia reopened as a fully vegan eatery, serving plant-based shiitake jerky and vegan shrimp as just some of the items on their menu. Now, Mark Ching, founder of animal rights organization Animal Hope and Wellness Foundation, approached the owners of this restaurant in 2016 and offered his help to remove animal products. Now, how did he offer his help? According to one of the restaurant owners, he offered to finance the restaurant as long as dog meat isn't on the menu. Now, I mean, this is one way of going about making change. And I'm sure there's a, a lot of other ways, but the result is now we have a restaurant that was previously serving dog meat and other sorts of meat because all of the, whether it's dog meat, animal, um, horse meat, cows, chicken, fish, they all have, you know, they all deserve an equal chance to live. But it's good, and it's good to see that this is one example of hopefully many examples of restaurants making shifts. In this case, it was just a dramatic shift. And then we have, there's more news. What did I tell you? You thought I was joking. No, we have a lot of news and it's all good stuff. I mean, hopefully it's always going to be all good stuff on my news. Beyond Meat, it is this little startup that not a lot of people have heard of before. Yeah, it's, it's, it's starting to make some some noise. No, actually, um, if you're listening to this, you probably heard of Beyond Meat. They obtained their non-GMO certification across their entire product line. This is great news. Uh, I've heard people tell me that Beyond Meat does have GMOs in the past, but I know for a long time they were finding that, that I guess, untruth. Now they actually have the seal to go along to support you know, the truth that they are GMO-free. So this is great news and um, for people who eat Beyond Meat and just for people who are transitioning, are interested in trying it out. Now, there's one more reason for them to do it. In addition to getting their approval, they've also opened a 26,000-square-foot innovation center in California dubbed the Manhattan Beach Project. Isn't that cute? (laughs) Scientists, food experts, and chefs are challenged to engineer new products that mimic animal-based meats um, from plants at this facility. And in the midst of an aggressive worldwide expansion, planning to export, they're planning to export, expand rather, the distribution of Beyond Meat to more than 50 countries by the end of this summer. So they're just to infinity. And I'm going to do it Beyond Burger. That was bad. (laughs) They're also opening a second production facility in Missouri. So business is booming for Beyond Meat. And speaking of business booming for alternative meat company, Corn, spelled Q-U-O-R-N, invests $9 million to develop its own bleeding vegan burger. It's funny. I was just having a conversation with someone saying that they ate corn burgers for a while and didn't realize they had egg in it, but I think they recently have stopped um, putting egg in their burgers. 
But the 33-year-old vegetarian brand opened a research and development facility, and they want to compete with Beyond Burger and the Impossible Burger. And it's reported that 12% rise in sales in the first six months of this year could be a big part of this investment. According to Corn CEO Kevin Brennan, the global meat-free industry is growing by 10 to 20% annually, and Corn expects to reach one, wait for it, billion in annual sales by 2027. That's pretty impressive. So a lot of great things. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? This is just one week. I can't wait to see what's in the news next week. And in local news. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, we have some pretty big announcements, some cool announcements. We were our Unite events. If you've never been to our SoFlo Vegans Unite events, it's a, it's a it's a speaker series, town hall, potluck event where people get together. We talk about a particular topic. You heard me say particular? I was going to say specific, and um, I decided to go particular, but specific was still on my mind. Spectacular. I just coined that. So we talk about a spectacular topic and have various guests and Q&A sessions. It's a really cool event. We do it monthly at Artser. Well, here's the announcement. Our event for next month, for August, will be held at a brand new location. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, starting in August, for the foreseeable future, of course, depending on how this event goes, but I love vegan fine foods, amazing people there. We will be holding our Unite events at Vegan Fine Foods. Yay! We're excited to be partnering with them. Um, Earlier last week, we announced that they're going to be, they're a partner for our discount card program, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. And this is just a continuation of us working together. We actually have done a couple of things with Vegan Fine Foods in the past. We held our Dr. Will Tuttle event at their location before they were even open, which that was an amazing event. If you didn't attend, um, we actually um, have some video on that. You could check that out. And um, yeah, so the event's going to be happening on Tuesday, August 22nd. So along with a new location, we have a new day of the week for our uh, for our for our event. Normally it's a Wednesday, so we're doing it on a Tuesday. So hopefully come check that out. Good time had by all. And we'll have some more information about some of the guests that you'll be you'll be able to hear at the event, hear and see. Unless your eyes are closed and you just you just hear them. Experiment. Experimentation. And a lot of other cool stuff. So we look forward to working with them. And we are finalizing our next SoFlow Vegans Speak event at Nutrition Smart. So as of this recording, we did not have a date, but we're narrowing that down, and we'll have that announcement as soon as possible. So if you're in the Pembroke Pines area, um, definitely come out, check that out. We'll have some speakers, some food demos. It's free, uh, open to the public, good time, had by all. And then on the 5th of August, we have, we're going to be partnering, or collaborating rather, with, with SoFlow Vegan potluck they're an awesome group out there putting together some amazing events so we're going to be 
collaborating with them for the August Vegan Potluck. And this will be held in the Boca Raton area. Mouth of a rat. <laughs> Always trip me up. Um, and in Wyman Park, our Lake Wyman. So you know, go to our website, soulfulvegans.com slash calendar, and you'll be able to see all of these events and, and more. So if you have an event and you want to get it on our calendar, there's a link, fill it out, and we'll add you. And um, yeah, that goes into our discount card program. Yeah, discount card program. So if you haven't heard of a discount card program by now, I, I need to do a better job <laughs> because we really want you to see the value behind this. We are partnering. Right now, we're over 20 different partners throughout South Florida. And every week we seem to be getting more and more seem like I'm surprised. No, there's a lot of work being done behind the scene to create as much value both for our partners and for our cardholders. So this week alone, we have Vegan Fine Foods are now on board, Holy Vegan Kitchen, Mana Life Foods, Vino's on Galt Mile and Los Solas have joined. That Vegan Food Truck, amazing folks, have joined. Juno Bruno Organic Vegan Hair Salon is on board. Anatora Yoga Shala, they're on board. And that's just last week, people that signed up. So go to, go to soulfulvegans.com slash card, and you'll see all of our participants. We're selling the card for 10 bucks. Some of these, some of these, some of our partners are offering discounts of 20% off your order every day of the week. You, you use the card once or twice, you've already paid for it. So this is an incredible value. We want to make sure that every single person here in South Florida, vegan or non-vegan, gets a hold of these cards. So they're out there, they're, you know, cashing in these discounts and also supporting local business. So check that out. Love to see your support. You can get it online. We're now selling it on Facebook as well. So go to our Facebook page and um, at events. And even if you see me, see me, Sean Russell, come up to me. I always have some in my pocket and I'll be happy to sell it to you. Um, yeah, just be cool. Yeah, don't be weird. And, and that pretty much does it for this week's episode. We have some cool interviews that we're working on. I'm committed to getting this going every single week, bringing on new voices, um, both from the South Florida area and around the globe, onto our podcast, talk about veganism, talk about what they have going on, giving, creating a platform for people to share, share their voice and share their, their passion for animals, health and wellness, and the environment. And with that being said, I'll see you next week.